0: Welcome to the Propel podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. I'm your host, Larry Witzel. Seventh-day Adventist churches grow differently, and our goal with this podcast is to offer practical training for effective evangelism in the Adventist ministry context. Be sure to mark your calendar for the 2024 Propel Conference coming back to Vancouver, Washington, April 28 to May 1. We're lining up some amazing speakers, putting special emphasis on digital evangelism and and other evangelistic innovation. More importantly, we're going to be laser focused on effectiveness, hearing from ministry professionals who actually have seen numerical kingdom growth in their churches. We'll have their website ready for registration in the next couple of weeks. That's going to be at propelconference.org. But for now, please save the date: April 28 to May 1, 2024, for next year's Propel Conference. On church growth. Our speaker today in this episode is Pastor Charles Bird, a longtime pastor and president of Questline Productions, the ministry behind the video series Thunder in the Holy Land and I Met God. Throughout his nearly four decades in ministry, Pastor Bird has been passionate about introducing people to Jesus and helping them along their spiritual journey. In this episode, Pastor Bird talks about the reasons why church members don't give Bible studies, and he emphasizes the importance of sharing one's faith for personal spiritual growth. He also introduces Thunder in the Holy Land, a video Bible study series effective at both growing personal faith and sharing your faith with others. This series integrates both a video lesson with discussion, focusing on personal impressions and responses designed to facilitate deeper understanding and personal reflection. This makes the study a lot more impactful and relatable. I've worked with Pastor Bird now for over two decades, and he brings a real balance between the pastor's heart and the evangelist's desire to win souls for Jesus. So I'm confident that you'll learn something practical in this episode that you can apply in your own ministry this week. We'll hear from Pastor Bird in just a moment. This episode is sponsored by NAD Ministerial, empowering the ministerial community in leading churches to reach their world for Christ with hope and wholeness. Throughout the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists, this team works to ensure the ministerial community is valued, connected, effectively supported, and equipped with training and state-of-the-art resources. Their dream is that every Seventh-day Adventist church in North America exudes hope and wholeness with significant spiritual and numerical growth. You can reach the NAD ministerial team on their website, nadministerial.com. And with that, let's get to the presentation. Here is Pastor Charles Bird at the 2023 Propel Conference talking about thunder in the Holy Land. You and I are best friends, right? We we
1: hang out together. we, We do things together. We eat at each other's house, right? And I go downtown and I discover that there's an auto dealer and he's got six cars that are actually two years old. They're not 23, they're not 22, they're 21s. And they haven't been able to sell them. And now they're giving them away for like 4,000 bucks. Brand new car, never driven off the lot, 4,000 bucks. And I go and I buy two of them, why? (laughs) Because I got two new cars now, right? And I never say a word to you about it. What do you think of the level of our friendship? Not too good. I mean, I didn't tell you. You guys are my best friends, and I never told you about it. Why would I tell you something like that? Tell me why I would tell you something like that. So they could get a good deal, too. Right. And I got it. And I know it's real. That's why we're not sharing our faith. Because we're not having any real experiences. We're not overcoming our our pride or our pornography. We're not overcoming our selfishness or our appetite. We're not overcoming and we don't why would you share faith in a God who's not doing anything for you? So I want you to know that Thunder in the Holy Land is primed to do two things. It's primed to share your faith and it's primed to grow your faith. I had two pastors Lifers. They'd been pastors for years and years and years, now retired. And they started using Thunder in the Holy Land to give Bible studies. They called me up. Pastor Bird, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, we've been using Thunder in the Holy Land. Oh, wonderful. And uh, you know we already know all this. Yeah? You know we've been preaching this for years. Yeah. We're learning. <laughs> <laughs> And this is one of the things that Thunder is going to do for not only the pastors, but the lay people and the new members. It's a learning process. So let me tell you a little bit about Thunder in the Holy Land. Thunder in the Holy Land is a small, short video Bible study series, 26 episodes, half hour each. And every episode is a teaching of Jesus. That's why we call it Thunder in the Holy Land. Because every time he opened his mouth, it caused a storm of controversy. I and my father are one. Stone him. Uh, Before Abraham was, I am. Stone him. So, that's why it's called Thunder in the Holy Land. On Sunday, December 26, 2004, there was an undersea megathrust earthquake. Third largest earthquake ever recorded on a seismograph. 9.1 to 9.3. And fortunately, it happened out of sea, so it didn't bother anybody, right? Uh (laughs) No, it created a tsunami that in just a few hours had killed, listen, killed over 230,000 people. 230,000 people in 14 countries, inundating coastal communities with waves up to 98 feet high. Can you imagine watching a 98-foot high wave come ashore? It's just devastating. It just, and if you see pictures of it, 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 it it's like they it just cleaned, it, there's just nothing. It just cleaned the whole, all the buildings, cleaned it all up. Well, there was, however, one resort in Phuket. Have you ever heard of Phuket? Yes. Okay, I had not until I heard this story, but Phuket is, is the European's version of Hawaii, except that it's over there. And there was a Phuket resort, the J.W. Marriott, where actually not one person lost their life. Right on the beach, just like every place else, not one person lost their life. Do you know why? Because of Tilly. You say, because of Tilly? Yes, because of Tilly. This... 10-year-old girl named Tilly, just two weeks before, was back home in Akshot, Surrey, England, sitting at the feet of her teacher, Andrew Kearney, and he was teaching them, amazingly, about tsunamis. <laughs> and he was telling the kids, these 10-year-old kids, what a tsunami is, and what are the signs of a tsunami, and what are the evidences of a tsunami? And her and her family, after she learned all this, went on vacation to Phuket. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They didn't go on vacation. They went on holiday. They went on holiday to Phuket. And she was there. She actually saw the signs. She saw the ocean begin to froth and foam. And then the ocean began to pull back away from the shore. And by the way, if you if you want to be emotionally disturbed, go on YouTube and click on the Sumatra Andaman tsunami and watch the home movies of people who are on vacation and who are up on these... Uh, towers, and they were taking video of the beach that morning, and you watch the water actually pull back. And you watch all the people on the beach begin to follow the water out to sea. Oh, look, a shell. And you're watching them move with the water, and you know what's coming, and you want to start screaming, come back, don't go, because they're walking to their death. They're just following the water out to sea. Anyway, Silly turned Tilly turned to her parents, and she said, It's a tsunami. It's going to be a tsunami. And her parents, of course, didn't take her seriously because she's a 10-year-old. Girl. Blonde. (laughs) I mean, why would you take that seriously? You're an adult. What do you know? You know more than they know. But Tilly knew. Tilly knew. And she did what any self-respecting 10-year-old who gets ignored by her parents would do in such circumstances. She got hysterical. There is going to be a tsunami, and you're not listening. And and she turned up the beach, and and her parents said, maybe there is. And they began to tell people on the beach, hey, I think a tsunami's coming. We need to get to high ground. They told the staff in the JW Marriott. They came out. And just moments before that wave rolled ashore, all those people in front of the JW Marriott were cleared off. I got goosebumps just telling that story. Saved by a 10-year-old girl. So, why am I here? I'm here to tell you that we are all called to be a telly. You don't have to be a professional, you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be a, a, a David Kleindienst or, a, or a, a, a Halverson, you know, you don't have to be somebody famous or great. You can tell people what you know by experience. And I believe that we need to grow our personal experience and our personal experience is critical. Why? When you start sharing your faith, how good are you at sharing your faith? Honestly, from God's perspective, you're pretty much a pathetic loser. Okay? That's what you are. And so when you say, I'm going to share my faith, God shows up. And he uses you in, mag- in powerful ways, just amazing ways. And then you know God's really real because, wow, I just saw something profound happen. Just like Moses standing there at the Red Sea. I mean, what could he do with two million people in a Red Sea? Nothing. But God said, hold out a stick. He held out a stick and the water parted. God showed up. <coughs> Joseph in prison. God showed up, told him what the dreams of the, of the two men meant. You know, God shows up. When you say, I'm willing to be used, God shows up. Amen. And that's what's really cool, is then you get to experience God in his way. And in fact, that's why we're a church. Why are we a church? Here's why we are a church. I, I tell my church family, I'm not pastoring directly right now, I stepped off the edge again, but um, I tell my church members, Pathfinder's okay But if it's not winning anyone to Jesus, why are we doing it? Potluck is fine, but if we're not winning anyone to Jesus with potluck, why are we doing it? Every one of our activities, whatever it is, should be winning someone to Jesus. The saving of human souls is an interest infinitely above any other line of work in our world. Whoever is brought under the influence of the truth and through faith is made a partaker of Christ's love is by that very fact appointed of God to what? Save. It's your job to save others. And again, it's not a job like it's this duty. You just got two new cars for 4,000 each, right? Why, why wouldn't you want to tell somebody about that? So, is it a duty? Yes, it is. If I'm a good friend, it's my duty to tell you, hey, there's two cars, you can get, you can get one for just 4,000 bucks, brand new car. It's a good deal. It's our duty to tell, to save others. He has a mission in the world. Every one of us, because we've been saved by grace, has a mission in the world. We're to hunt for souls, laboring with all diligence to communicate to others, that which is for their eternal welfare. That's what we're asked to do. So I came in the side door to pastoral ministry. Came in the side door. I used to say back door until somebody said, no, you really didn't. You came in the side door. Okay, I came in the side door. But I haven't been to seminary. I haven't gotten all the professional training. And I'm not sure how professional a lot of it is uh, because usually it's just one person's story telling What this is what I did. And, and there's nothing wrong with that story. But uh, I learned everything I learned from hitting my head against a wall. So when I met this pastor who came up with a method of Bible study, uh, I, I knew instantly that this was really something. I went and spent a day with him, went from study to study. I walked away from it saying I'll never give studies the same. So this is how the study works. You ready? We're getting into it now. We show up at the study and we have one piece of paper. These pieces of paper are free. They're online. You just download it and print it off. So there's never a cost for printing off the lessons. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. So you print it off. If you have a duplex printer that prints both sides at the same time, make sure you do it short edge binding. Okay? Otherwise, this will be right side up and the next one will be upside down. So so if you want them both to be right side up, you do short edge binding. Uh, Other than that, you just print the one side and then put it back in and print the other side. All right. On this piece of paper is every verse of Scripture that's going to show up in the Bible study. So every one of the verses. So what happens many times is somebody gets up and preaches and they go home and they say, do you know dead people are really in in their grave? Where Where'd you hear nonsense like that? Well, that's what the preacher said. Where is that found? They don't know. They know. They're going to take this piece of paper home with them. It belongs to them. They're going to have every verse of scripture you just used in the Bible study. And if you'll notice, there's some fill in the blanks. So as the video shows up, there are gold words that are underlined. And so you just, when you hand out these pieces of paper, okay, it's time to start our Bible study, and you hand it out to everyone in the group, and the first time you'll tell them, there's going to be verses on the screen, and and this is how you fill them in. And then you can even be nice if you have a remote control, you can say, and I'll just pause it. Anyone who says, I didn't quite get that, I'll just pause it. You know, and but... Or you can go home and fill them in, You know, whichever works for you. But there they are, there's all the verses and you can fill them in. So this is what they do for the first 30 minutes of the Bible study. Now there's something magical or strange about being on celluloid. Once you're on video, somehow you are a professional. You're an actor, you're somebody important. I was at a potluck one time and I was going down the side of the table. This lady on the other side of the table, she looked up and she went, you're real, (laughs) which I think is utterly ridiculous, but it means something to somebody. So here's what I found is very interesting. If I come to your house and I said dead people are sleeping in their grave, they're not really in heaven, you can have an argument with me. But when somebody on the screen says it, even if it's me, and yes you'll see me on the screen, they don't argue with me. And I don't know why that is, but I love it. It makes my Bible study so much easier because I just let the guy on the screen, who happens to be me, <laughs> share these these wonderful biblical truths, and they don't argue. It's it's an amazing thing. I I get a fraction of the people questioning me when I do it this way, you know. And when I say fraction, I mean the tiniest of fractions. So anyway, so what what I encourage people to do is, so this guy here. Him and I work together at the factory. And I say, hey, you know, you look like you're down today. Oh, my dad just died. I wonder what happens when people die. What did he just ask for? He just asked for a Bible study. And, and people can ask for them in so many subtle ways. You know, like, no, I can't, t- man, this gas, it's so expensive, you know. What's this world coming to? They just asked for a Bible study. You say, you know, that's a great question you just asked. And I, I think I found the answer in the Bible. I actually know what it's coming to. Would you, would, would you like to have a Bible study? Now, most people are going to tell you no. But there's going to be any number of them who will say, yeah, I'd like to know because they weren't just making a comment, they were actually sincere. Use every opportunity to start a Bible study. Low-hanging fruit. If somebody walks in the door of your church, what brings you here? Oh, I was watching 3ABN. Oh, I was watching whatever. Whatever they were watching. Uh, A friend of mine's an Adventist. I just thought I'd check it out. I don't care what reason they're there. If they're anybody local, they don't get out of the church. We're saying, you know, we're just starting a, a new Bible study series. Would you like to be a part of it? Invite them. And, and, and when you invite 10 people, you'll get one. You'll get one. And now you're, you're sharing Jesus. And if he says, yeah, I'd like to have a Bible study, here's my next question. Who all's going to be there? I don't want to give a study to him. I want to give a study to him and his brother and his wife and his uncle. That's who I want to give a study to. I want to maximize my study time. And this is ideal for small groups. It's just pristine. And so what I'll do is if he says, yes, I want to go... Uh, have a study, I'll find somebody else from the church to bring with me. Why? Because I've discovered most church members don't know what they believe. I used to not say that, but I'm finding out that more and more church members, they don't know. I mean, I'm in church and somebody says, yeah, well, they went to be with the Lord. And I'm like, what church am I in? <laughs> you know, and this is someone who's been in the church for years. And and why are they saying that? And you think that we're all in this together. No. Don't. So I take a church member with me. Or two, if it's a couple, if you two said I want to study, I'm going to find a couple and I'm going to bring to mirror that. Why? Because the number one reason people are not in church a year after they've been baptized, there's many, the number one is? Lack of, friend. lack of friends. I fix that right up front. I bring a couple with me. You know, if it's you and your, and your two kids and, and, and you, I'm going to try to bring a family with me. I'm going to try to mirror, try to, Mirror whatever I got going.
0: What do you say when you show up with with uh, two or three other?
1: People? Oh, I'll I'll usually tell the people. So you'd like to have a say Well, I'll bring some friends and we'll come over and study that together. I just tell them up front. I don't try to sneak it in on them. Yeah. I just tell them up front. Uh, I got some other friends who who wanted to know about the same topic. Can I bring them too? We'll study it together. You know. So, Thunder in the Holy Land is set up so that there's like two. Lessons that follow another lesson like it just won't work unless you follow it. Maybe there's three. But the rest of them, if somebody want to start on death, I'd come and do one on death with you. I'd pick that one out, do it on death, and then I'd say, you know, this is part of a series. Would you like to watch another one? I don't say there's 25 more. <laughs> I'm not going to scare them off, but I'll say, this is part of a Would you like to watch another one? Yeah, well, I'll come back next week. Let's do it again. And then I'll just start at the beginning and go through it. So you could
0: you say that each week. Oh, there's, there's more. Would you like to do another one next
1: week? No, I've told them already this is part of a series. Yeah. Would you like to watch another one? And, and I just, just keep going. I keep going. I just keep going. In the pilot way of doing this, we found that 80 to 90% of those who started finished, 70 to 80% made a decision for Christ, were still active in the church a year later. That's powerful. That's powerful. All right. So. I'd like to just actually do this with you as if this was a real Bible study. And so we've got time. Yes, we do. So this is episode number six in our series. I picked episode number six because uh, this is one of our simplest ways of explaining what it means to be saved. You just keep saying yes. That's it. Just say yes. Every time he says something, you say yes, and you're saved. That's it. So that's a child can get this okay so this is how this program goes I get the group together we may do a little bit of fellowship at the beginning then I pray with them I I say okay it's time to begin here's your papers I hit play and we go through it so here we go so every Bible study starts cold like that where it just starts and then we have the introduction one man his life his message, and of course Jesus said, "I am the truth. I am the truth." so every episode is a teaching of Jesus. This is all footage that we used took when we were overseas, so it adds a nice feel and young people will start getting into that song) <laughs> So it's Thunder in the Holy Land and then we have the title for that episode comes up next, which in this case is Salvation in One Word. Yes. Just outside the old city of Jerusalem is a very old quarry. So, keep saying yes to his love. And at that point... You don't have to watch the credits. (laughs) Anyway, so did that feel like you just spent 25, 30 minutes? It went by faster, didn't it? There's a reason for that. By having the multiple speakers and the many graphics, it breaks it up. Instead of it being a Montana road that just goes on and on and on, it's a West Virginia road. It keeps changing out. So it's it's more pleasant to listen to it. And it's hard to imagine that you just went through 32 verses of Scripture. I did not feel like you were drinking from a fire hydrant. So that's good. All right. This is the magic sauce. The video was good. You like the video? This is what's the important part. The video is just a winsome way to give that information to the people. But this here on the back page, flip it over to the back page, salvation, in one word, yes, my impressions, this is the miracle sauce. This is why we're getting such huge numbers. And if you skip doing this, I'm not saying that the Lord can't use the video. If you just gave the videos out to somebody, I'm not saying he couldn't use that. Uh, But if you go through this with the people, something dramatic happens. So people only remember 30% of what you say. They remember 70% of what they say. So what we want to do is get them to say the truth, right? So what we're going to do here is we're going to go through this back and we're going to do three things. Now the beauty of three things is no matter how slow of speech and heart you all are, you guys can remember three things. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to go through this and you're going to do three things. When it says "My impressions," these are the impression questions," which is really a misnomer, because one through eight there are really not questions, they are statements of stuff that they just heard on the video so they 're repeating important lessons that they just heard, all right so like number one, it says, "We are loved that 's why Jesus came to save us." okay now you'll notice it says Luke 1910 there, and then it has a little uh, footnote number one beside it. You see that footnote number one. Okay, that doesn't mean that there's a footnote down at the bottom. That means that that same verse is number one on your on your lesson. Okay, so when you look on the back down there, it say number uh, it's number six. It says Matthew 17:21 and 19:21, and then it says 15. So that's question number I mean that's uh, text number 15 on your page. So what happens is in a real Bible study you've got a potential dilemma. So this guy comes in here with the uh, New King James and this guy comes in with the NIV and this lady comes in here with the Breath of Death Bible which some people think of when they think of paraphrases because you know they don't say anything like the Bible says. And that can create a problem. So by having all the verses right here, I am literally keeping everybody on the same page. So all the verses, we're reading off the same verses. And, and it isn't that you can't use this time to say, well, let's look at the NIV or the King, New King James and see what that says and compare that. You know, I don't care. You could do that. That's absolutely uh, appropriate and fine. But I'm trying to make a point and keeping them all together, you know, a dog, heel, (laughs) keeping them all together, then that's a healthier environment, all right? And so if you got to that and they said, and you said to them, what's your impression? And they say, well, I don't know. Say, well, let's go back and look at that verse. Well, then you can just flip it. Let's look over at number 15 again and read that verse together. And it's right there. So you're, you can direct them to Scripture right then and there. So that's why that is written up that way. All right? Now, on the top of the page, there are, it says, uh, choose from the following phrases those which best describe your impression of each of the statements below. And then they've got a number of alternatives. That, it makes perfect sense. Or, that's encouraging. Or, oh, that's humbling. Or it raises questions, or it sounds important. I never thought of it that way before. Anyway, you look down to J. What does J say? I'm not looking for an answer that's specific. I don't care what their impression is. I just want to know what their impression is. So, so if we were doing a, a Bible study on the Sabbath, for example, and I said, what day is a Sabbath? A, Saturday, B, Sunday, C, it doesn't matter. And this guy here goes, C, uh, it doesn't matter. No, weren't you listening? It's A, it's a Sabbath. You know. And then you're building walls instead of building bridges. So we're not looking for the right answer. We told them what the right answer was on, on the video. We're just repeating what the right answer is here. We're giving them the information in their left brain. So their left brain, like it says on the package of cigarettes, hey, stupid, this causes cancer. Okay, it doesn't say stupid, but it says this causes cancer. That's the facts. If the facts were enough, no one would smoke. But people do smoke. Why? because they're stupid and and they have this desire and their emotions say, but I want to smoke, you know, and, and so they do it anyway. So what we're trying to do is fix the right side of their brain and that's why we do it this way. We just say, what's your impression? So what happens from this is there's a temptation, and try to resist it, to make this like Sabbath school and to go deep. Don't go deep. So you just had a brand new baby. <laughs> Well, let's take them out and buy them a steak dinner. You wouldn't do that, right? Right? No way. You'd give them pablum. You'd give them milk to start with. And so just cool your jets. This isn't supposed to look like Sabbath school where you get deep. Well, you know, Ellen White says, oh, please, don't, don't do that, you know? Stay on the paper. I'm trying to make a point here. Stay on the paper. And your Adventist, by the way, on our website, there is a document there on the training page where when you're bringing your Adventist family with you to go to the study, You take that piece of paper and you hand it to them in the back seat and say, would you read over that while we're going? And it has all the rules of engagement so they don't mess up your Bible study. (laughs) Okay, And they're very simple rules, but you say, okay, this is what we're looking to try to accomplish here. And it guides them. But anyway, that's another topic. So here's their possible answers. And this is going to move just about as slowly as watching paint dry or grass grow. Okay? now it's growing pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my, but my point is is that even when it's growing fast, you can see it in two days. And so let your people grow over the two days, the three days, the four days. Just, just don't rush it. Don't push it. Just, just let it grow. But what's going to happen is because of these questions, you're going to find out what they and the Holy Spirit are having a conversation about. So now that I've explained all that, and you won't explain that all to your guests what you'll do is you'll say, okay, let's turn our paper over to the last page there and let's go over it together. And you'll read, choose from the following phrases, those which best describe your impression. By the way, I've got to say one other thing here. I was about to just go on into it, but I need to tell you one more thing. Um, don't ask the people, how do you feel about that? Don't ask them, how do you feel? You might get the whole book of War and Peace. You don't want the Book of War and Peace. You want to know what their impression is of that statement. You want to keep them on topic. You want to keep the thing flowing, right? So choose from the what best follows yours, and uh, you're going to find that very quickly they're going to start um, sometimes picking two or three of these answers, and that's okay. Let them do it. So let's actually just do it, all right? Tell me what your name is again. Dean. Dean. So. If this was our group here, this is our group, our small group. Uh, I'm not going to just pick Dean and then and then and then and, then, and I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll pick Dean and do that, and the next time I'll pick you and do this, and the next time I'll pick you and do this. You know, so I'm going to mix it up. I don't want to do it the same way because this guy here, you know, he's just going to say, "Yeah, what she said." Or don't give them that opportunity. So by going this way and then that way, you know, you're going to mix it up. All right? So, and then some of them may say, pass. That's okay. And just after two or three times, they're going to realize this isn't threatening. There's no right and wrong answer. They're not going to beat me up. And then they'll, they'll join in. So just just roll with it. Okay? So we are loved, and that's why Jesus came to save us. Dean, what's your impression of that one? Hope. it gives me hope so he picked which one did you pick there? huh? Five. Uh five no they're not what?
0: it's, H. it's letter I. I
1: I yeah that gives me hope now so I've asked him number one I asked two questions what's your impression? so he told me it gives me hope now I'm going to ask what about that gives you hope Dean? and I'm going to let him unpack it a little bit you can use the, the, the word why it's up there use it sparingly, because why often feels whiny? Why? Or it feels negative. So what about that gives you hope is much less threatening. And I'm not saying you can never use why, just be careful how you use why is all I'm saying. That's really exciting. Why did you pick that answer? That's really interesting. See, that didn't sound threatening at all. But just keep that in mind of how you ask why. Okay? So, Dean, what about that gives you hope?
0: Because uh, he's seeking what's lost.
1: He's seeking what's lost. I'm lost. Hmm. Now, I want you to notice what just happened. So, let's say that that, uh, Dean was one of the Adventists that I brought along with me. This gives us micro-opportunities to share a testimony. And what Dean just said, and by the way, none of this is planned, but I'm just opening your eyes to what's happening here so you don't think, oh, well, you know, blah, 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 we'll go on. No, what he just said was profound, okay? And what he said was, it gives me hope because I'm lost. I'm a sinner. Now, this gal here... She's shacked up with 12 different guys. The guy she's living with now is just a live-in. Maybe she's a biker type. And when she came in here with all her tattoos and her leathers and all these other nice dressed people around her, how did she feel right off? Lost. Huh? Lost. Lost. And out of place. Definitely out of place. But Dean just said, I'm a sinner and I'm lost. So, this fine dressed man, and this looks like he's never sinned a day in his life, you know, he said, I'm a sinner and I'm lost. How does that make her feel immediately?
0: Hmm,
1: There's hope for me. There's hope for me. And this is the power of what's going to go on here. So, don't, don't let the slowness, this is something big that's happening, and you don't even realize it's happening. So, even though she didn't go, Oh, I'm lost too, thank you, that gave me hope. She never said that, but that's what's happening. And there's a vulnerability that just took place. And you're going to discover that when you go through this, the people become vulnerable very quickly. So I had one guy who never used thunder, but he liked the method. And so I tell people, use the method. If you're using amazing fax folders, use the method. You know, ask impression questions. Whatever you do, ask them. Get them to talk about where they're at on their spiritual growth. So this guy did this. He preached a, series, a sermon and he had the people get into small groups and then he started going through this. He says very quickly, it got very deep, very quick, and one lady said, you know, my husband's been beating me. Okay, that was, that was deep and that was vulnerable. But this is what happens in these small groups. There's a, there's a feeling of safety. And so, tell me your name again, dear. Cool. Coral, so when Coral, this biker chick that I was using as an illustration, when Coral heard him say, I'm a sinner, that gives me hope, she knows she's a sinner, that's why she came to the Bible study, because she's looking for hope, and what you just did for her is unimaginably deep and special. And you didn't even think I was doing anything that special. Which brings me to the third thing I do. So he, I said, what's your impression? That gives me hope. What about that? He says, because I'm a sinner, that gives me hope. Now I'm going to, what's the third thing? I'm going to affirm him. Well, Dean, you're not the only one who recognizes that they're a sinner. And it does give us hope, doesn't it? And I affirmed him. Okay? Simple as that. Now, I let everyone answer. So I'll go and tell me your name again. Wayne. Wayne, Wayne, what's your impression of number one? Go ahead. You're thankful. And what about that makes you thankful, Wayne?
0: I'm glad that God uh, did something to
1: uh, give me hope. Uh, And I think we're all glad of that. That's good. That's good. Tell me your name again. Bruce. Parrish, right? See, I remembered your last name. Couldn't remember your first name. So, uh, Bruce, what what's your impression of number one? It sounds important. And what about that sounds important to you? That he thinks enough of me that, he, that he,
0: he died for us.
1: You know, that's humbling to think that he thinks that much of us, isn't it? That's a good answer. So I'm just affirming. Just affirming. Just affirming. And when you do that over and over again... What do the people feel at the end of the Bible study? Affirmed. And in a world today, we need some affirmations. We need some affirmations. So you're accomplishing something really big. So I've just gone around the whole group. We've gone through number one. Then I move on to number two. The Bible teaches that all have sinned, and therefore, all of them have a need of a savior. Like the tax collector, we too must say yes to God's spiritual evaluation and ask for forgiveness. Then we too will have his justification given to us. Coral, what's your impression of number two? Mm, well, I never thought of it that way before. Well, uh, it, it is a new way of thinking, isn't it? It is. And what about that is, is uh, most unique to you? You never thought of it? Wow. Oh. Maybe that we all need Jesus. Ah. Okay, so Coral's the biker chick, remember? And she just said, "I guess we all need Jesus." That's profound. Mm-hmm. Now, I could say, "You know, Coral, you're a pretty pathetic woman, you know. You really need Jesus." It's a total different sound than when she says, You know, I guess we all need Jesus. There's no condemnation there. There's no, you know, it's just, it's a a very rich experience. What's your name, sir?
0: Lloyd.
1: Lloyd. Lloyd, what's your impression of number two?
0: I had it here.
1: It it, it raises questions. What question does that raise in your mind, Lloyd? Um, Why should I believe this? Hmm. Okay, so L- Lloyd, by the way, I paid him extra to do this. No, not really. <laughs> I-, I appreciate Lloyd doing this because you're going to have stuff like this happen. Was what Lloyd just said negative or not? Was that negative what he said?
0: No. No, it's inquisitive.
1: Could it be negative? Yes. Yeah. It could be really negative. But it wasn't negative. And don't take stuff negative. And even when people say things like, well, I've never heard of this before, and even the tone makes it sound negative. Don't go negative with your people. Okay, so so what? What he said again? <laughs> I've already jumped out of my head. He said, "Why is this important?" It raises, questions. it raises questions. I said, "Why should I believe it?" Why should I believe that? Why should I believe that? Now, if you get stumped with any question like that. Why should I? He asked a question. It's a fair game question because we're on topic. If, you, if they ever ask a question that's not fair game, like, why do you guys go to church on Saturday? Well, that's a good question. In fact, that's so important. Jesus actually talked about that. And we're going to cover that. You come back. Don't, don't run ahead. Do not run ahead. But this is a fair game question. Now, if I don't have an answer, there's two things that I can do. Three, actually. I can say, uh, you know, that's a good question, Lloyd. Does anybody here have an answer? I can seek help from my group, okay? And that's, there's nothing wrong with doing that because Wayne, just yesterday morning, thought this through and, and God already prepped him with an answer, could be. You know, I'm just using that as an example. Um, so why, why, say it again? <laughs> I keep forgetting your question. Why should I believe, it? Why should I believe that? Does anyone have an answer for Wayne? I'm going to let you guys take a stab at it. Do Any of you? Why he should believe? Because Jesus said it. Mm -hmm. Or it's written in the Bible. Okay. Of course, he could be asking that question because he's actually a bit of a skeptic and doesn't even believe in the validity of the Bible. I can tell you that at this point, he would already start believing because pretty early on we hit prophecy and prophecy gives us an anchor for our faith. But that's where he is right now. Uh, so that's a, that's a good possibility. Did, did that answer your question? So what you want to do whenever they do that is you want to take advantage of the fact that you're in a group. All right. So if they ever go south on you, I've got an exit ramp <laughs> all the way around the room. And so I can say, you know, I can appreciate your questions. Now, I'm affirming him, but not his doubts. I can appreciate your questions. And, and, and sometimes we wonder why things are important. You keep coming to this study, you're going to find out those answers. So I can always... And then my third option is, you know, I, I don't have a clue of why... Let's say he asked a question that was like a fact question. That was not a fact question. That was a heart question that he just asked, which is a it was fair game. But if he asked a question like, well, how do I know that Saturday really is a Sabbath? Maybe the day got changed. That's a fact question that he just asked. Well, there's a little heart there to it, but it's a fact question. And I can say, you know, I really don't know how, or if that's got you. Give me a week to think about that and I'll come back next time with an answer. You can always bail on that. Because there's sometimes, you're not going to know an answer. And it's no sin if you don't know something. See? Okay? Did that help? Okay. So... uh, I would go around the whole group and ask that question. So let's go on to number three. Salvation is more than a church or some doctrines. Salvation is a person. Jesus. And what he did and is doing for everyone. Just like Simeon said. Now by the way, this may be just a little thing and it's not the end of the world if you don't do it. But if you'll notice, I read this with passion. That's going to lend credibility to these statements. Because if you said, salvation is more than a church or some doctrine. Salvation is a person. Jesus, what He did and is doing for everyone, just like Simeon said, that does not say the same thing that I said before. These are truths, and you want to highlight that truth by saying, salvation is more than a, a church or some doctrine. Salvation is a person. Jesus, I was doing this in a church, and the whole point of doing this in a church was, so I'm going to now preach live for about 35, 40 minutes, and then I'm going to break into small groups, okay? So all you guys are my church members, and I said, I want you guys to stay by after church so I can train you how to do this, so you guys all stay by. And uh, this one lady who stayed by, she had been having Bible studies with some of my church members, I actually had gone through two separate lessons, she'd gone through them. Never made a decision, never had gotten baptized, but had been coming to church for over a year, and she had cerebral palsy. <laughs> she says, "I I I I I I I I li- like to be a, a, a group leader," and of course, inside I'm going, no. <laughs> and then, and then the Holy Spirit flipped me in the forehead and said, "You're doing this to show that anyone can do this. Stop it!" And I said. Sure, you can do it. So I trained them how to do this, just like I'm doing with you. And the first night of my meetings, somebody stands up in the back, and they hold up a little number here, and it's, it's like, that's how many groups you need. So I say, okay, I need six of my group leaders to stand up. And, and, and one, one, two, three, four, five, six. She didn't stand. Second night, she didn't stand. Third night, she didn't stand. About the fourth night, she stood up. And people gathered around her. And as soon as I got the people in their groups, I drifted over to her group to find out what was going to go down. And she goes, well, 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 well let, let's start. Well, 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 would you read number one? And she just let the group read it. Smart girl. By the way, at the end of that series, she was baptized. So you let them be involved. Let them be involved. Jesus put his disciples to work after they were converted, or before they were converted? Before, before. It's okay, <laughs> it's okay. And he still messed up, he still and he still kept them. And he still kept them, absolutely. Alright. So, salvation is more than a church or doctrine, salvation is a person. What's, what's your impression? What's your name? Todd. Todd. What's your impression, Todd? It's humbling. It's humbling? What about that's humbling to you? That when you
0: meet him, it's an incredible experience. It's humbling to you know. He wants to be more than a building and he wants to be more than a doctrine. He wants to be your friend and
1: know you. That's humbling to think that the God of the universe wants to be my friend. I agree with you. That's good. Let me tell you there's going to be any number of Seventh day Adventists who come to your Bible study with you because you're going to invite them. And Dwight has actually been cheating on his wife, he's been embezzling from the company. He knows he's a pathetic sinner. He knows he is. He's a loser. He knows he's a loser. But he's still coming to church because of force of habit or whatever or because maybe guilt is driving him to church or, or it's just something to do because to make his mom get off his back or, you know, whatever. And he just said, that's encouraging. There's a person who actually cares about me. And you don't realize that some of our Adventists are the most hurting people even sometimes more than non-Adventists because the devil is on our track he's just riding us and now he said that's encouraging me so tomorrow when the devil goes well you're not much of a Christian he hears his own words but there's still somebody who can be my friend there's still somebody who cares about me we need to tell ourselves this stuff. And by the way, this is, not, this is not a group participation show. We're all trying to make each other feel good. But we are trying to embrace the truth. And the truth does make us feel good. Yeah. It does change us. Instead of buying the devil's lies, you're a loser, Dwight. You're, you're never going to make it. God doesn't love you love after what you're doing. And the devil's doing this to us. And it doesn't even have to be something big like adultery, like I mentioned. It could be the fact that, you know, he drinks wine every weekend. And that's not the worst thing you can do, you know, to drink some wine on the weekend. And yet he knows he shouldn't be doing it. And then just to say that, to have those words come out of his own mouth. So anyway, number four. When I ask Jesus for forgiveness, the next thing I need to accept or say yes to is that he forgives me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we say these words, it's going to go with Dean. Well, I guess I have permission to to forgive myself. You know, I've been a pretty bad jerk, you know. By the way, I I, I preach a sermon, uh, and in that sermon, I tell the story about how I used to call my wife Klutz. You Klutz, is that a good thing to say to your wife? My mom, she, she saw that I was doing that. She says, don't you call your wife klutz. Well, it's my wife. I'll call her what I want to call her. And by, by the way, she is. And then the Lord brings conviction to my heart. And He says, you're out of line. You know, you shouldn't do that. And then I get to the part of the story where, where I've learned repentance and that is that God can change you at a heart level. And I'm telling the story and I, and I tell the people... Uh, So I prayed and I said, Well, God, okay, you've convicted me. I shouldn't call my wife a klutz, but you have to change my heart. And the reason you have to change my heart is because I'm in the habit of doing that now, number one. And number two, she is. (laughs) I'm such a butt. (laughs) And so I I tell the story and I say, I pray that prayer. I turn around. <laughs> My wife spilled a whole pot of peas, which is true. She really did. And, you know, she, she turns too quickly and bumps into something. <laughs> That's whole pot of peas. And she gets down to clean up the pot of peas. And I take this deep breath, because if you want to make the words hurt, you've got to, you know, you klutz. You know, you've got to say it that way. You don't go, you klutz. You've got you to say it. So I take this deep breath. I go, here, let me help you pick that up. Now, that was not what I was planning to say. I can just tell you, that wasn't what I was planning to say at all, right? And, and, uh, and she's down there, and she goes, she looks up at me, you know, when I said that. And my wife is such a saint that she never says, shut up, you butt. You know, she, she would never lash back. She just doesn't do that. But she looked up, and her eyes filled up with tears. And she said, thank you so much for not calling me klutz. And for the first time I realized what a butt I had been to do that to her. It was just wrong. And, and you know, you stiffen up when those words come. And it hurts. And, and here I had said something that I wasn't planning to say, but God put those words in my mouth because I asked him to do that because I knew I had this habit. And he changed me and, I, and he touched her. And of course, once I saw the tears, I realized how bad I had been Anyway.
0: So how old were you when that happened?
1: I was early married. I was in the first year of our marriage. Yeah. I was was thinking
0: that you were just telling this story just to illustrate a point.
1: Oh that's a that's a true story. It's really happened. It's really happened. It really happened. And so for me. Huh? A
0: guy like you could make mistakes like that. There's hope for me.
1: And when I tell these stories in church, there's a certain class of people who will and they have at potluck say, Don't ever tell that story. That's, That's not right. And then there's another class of people who say just what you said. And that's why I tell those stories. Because I am a sinner. You know, I need help too. Which I didn't bring that up until just now. When I go through all of these and I say, you know, what's your impression, what's your impression, then I'll answer it. So I get to tell my testimonies too. I I keep them shorter than what I'm doing here. (laughs) Anyway. So number five. Once I've been justified or declared righteous... The next step is being sanctified or being made righteous. Jesus said this happens through the embraced truths of his word. Therefore, we are to say yes to the truths in the Bible as we learn them. Sometimes when my group, you know, not everyone says something really profound every time. But when something like that says, then I'll say, you know, we all need to listen to what Wayne just said. It's a process for all of us, isn't it? So not only did I affirm him, but I affirmed him publicly. And that goes a long way in building bridges. It goes a long way. But you're going to discover as you do these things, there is this transformation and you actually watch it happening. Where people go from maybe even a non-believer to starting to say, well, there's hope for me. And they, they turn a corner. And that's really exciting to watch. There's no greater joy in that than, the, the closest you're going to come to that is being in the, in the room when your wife delivers a baby. That's the closest you'll come to it. I was there when my wife had our baby. Um, his head was this big. Okay, I'm exaggerating. I'm exaggerating. It was this big. <laughs> And those plates squished together and all that skin on the top of his head rolled up. He looked like something out of Star Trek, you know, coming out. And I'm like, oh no, he's deformed. I was going to say that and for a moment of brilliance, I kept my mouth shut, which was a good thing. And uh, But being there and seeing this life come into the world, that's what you're seeing when you're seeing Jesus come into the hearts of people. You're seeing life happen. And, and there's no greater joy than that and and whether you're a pa- if you're a pastor here today give your church members a chance to s- experience that if you're a church member here today that you want you if you want joy in your life share Jesus and watch the lights come on yeah, it, there's just nothing better than that number 6 true belief is not just something we give a mental assent to it's also something we do and by the way this is why when you get your series, know what the whole series is going to talk about. Get it, go over it a few times. The, the titles, and by the way, on our website we have a sheet that has every title and then what it's about. You know, this is about the Sabbath. This is about the state of the dead. This is about whatever. There are two lessons on here for which I am truly the author. As far as the author, no, that's really not a good word. Who's the person who takes a book and pulls all the material together? An editor. I'm the editor of these two topics and those are the ones on repentance um, I've had a few people say uh, this is heresy I've had a few people say I don't believe this most of the people are jazzed as they've never been jazzed before because it answers that question how do we get there so don't let that throw you the, the most dramatic thing I say in those two is that Jesus repented Does that disturb any of you? Jesus repented. Does that disturb anybody here? Yeah, it doesn't make sense because he doesn't do anything wrong. Exactly. Which is exactly where I was when I was first studying this out. And and when I got to Jesus coming to John the Baptist to be baptized, as Mark says, with the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And John wigs out... He, this doesn't apply to you, big boy. You know, you're, you're the Lamb of God. You're perfect, you know. And so I was exactly like John. I, I, I've read the verse before and it didn't bother me so much. But when I was studying it, I got the exact same, those exact words, exact words. And then I thought, I must have missed something. I must have missed something. And so I literally went back to the book of Genesis and started all over again. of the time that there is repentance mentioned in the Old Testament, it's God doing the repenting. 76% of the time. And you're thinking, okay, then our definition of repentance is too narrow because it doesn't include God. Then you have to back up and figure out you know what the new definition is going to be because obviously, so the way we think of repentance is here's a line and this is the good side, and here I've committed adultery or told a lie or stole or something. Now I've crossed the line, now I repent, I come back across the line. That's one of the words, shuv. That's the word for turn. Okay? The word that's primarily used for repentance in the Old Testament is nacham. And you know what that word means in the Hebrew? It means to sigh. And there's two reasons that we sigh. The one reason we sigh is because our kids just wrecked the car. For the third time. Oh. So we sigh. Okay? There's a second reason we sigh and it's still in the word. It's my honeymoon night. Oh. So you can sigh because you're hurt or disappointed or you know, or you can sigh because you're so excited. Those are the two reasons. There's joy. And that word, nacham, is translated both ways in the Old Testament. Mostly, the word repent is is, uh, not sighing because, oh, I crossed the line. Most of the time, it's translated joy. And this is why Jesus repented. If I come up to the line, consider crossing it, and turn before I cross the line, Have I repented? Yes. Repentance is why Jesus never did sin. And when we have repentance, it's why we stop sinning. Because I used to be an alcoholic, and now I turn away before I drink. I used to cheat on my wife, and now I turn away before I cheat on my wife. I used to embezzle from the company, and now I turn away before I embezzle. Repentance is powerful. Let me put it to you in a, in a vernacular you can get. Do you, know, do you know what scurvy is? What's scurvy? It's a vitamin C deficiency. It's exactly right. So the, the sailors would leave England. They'd be eating beef jerky all the way across the sea. They'd run out of vitamin C in their body. Their teeth start getting loose. Their skin starts getting ulcers, right? And they get off the boat, and there's these these... Island women who say, here, have some limeade. And they get better. It's the most amazing thing. Those nurses on the islands are just amazing. And so they fill up their barrels with the limes and they suck them all the way home, which is why the British sailors are called... Limeys. Limeys. So listen to me now carefully. I've got the line crossed. I have scurvy. I eat the limes and I get better. But on the way home, I keep sucking on the lemons, and the limes, and I never cross the line. Mm-hmm. So, repentance is like spiritual vitamin C. And by the way, when you start sharing this with the people and they start learning how they can change, it's transformational. Now they've got a testimony to tell because they changed. Anyway, that's really off-topic. But I think it's important to share with you so that people don't freak out when you get to repentance. What? Jesus repented? Yes, he did. By the way, Ellen White says, after taking the steps of repentance and conversion, Jesus went down to John and was baptized. That's a quote from Ellen White. But I didn't get it from Ellen White. I got it from the Bible and then found that Ellen White actually said the same thing. All right. We're almost done. It is our committed and growing relationship with Jesus that gives us the power to obey Him. Giving your church members and your guests the opportunity to say words of affirmation, giving that opportunity to say, I am loved, is going to help Bruce, and it's going to help Lloyd, because Lloyd came in tonight not feeling loved. And Todd... His wife just said, I want a divorce, and he really doesn't feel loved. And so, and by the way, you know I'm making up all these illustrations. (laughs) And Lloyd's, and and Todd says, no, actually, she just said that this morning. (laughs) Anyway, So this gives people, huh? Or how did you find out? Yeah, how did you find out? (laughs) (laughs) This gives them the opportunity to say, well, even with what I'm going through, I'm still loved. I'm still love, and by the way you 're going to discover that after a while you don 't have to ask, and what about that impression you that way they just start they just start answering it, and that 's okay you don 't have to say it if they, if they just answer it, and after a while they 'll get into this rhythm where they 're just tracking with you, and they 'll say, and here 's why, and they'll okay, good stuff, good stuff, all right, so you see how we do this. It, 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 and it sounds formulaic. Some people said, well, that's very formulaic. That's right. We make it so simple that a child can lead out in these meetings. And by the way, if you brought a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old to your Bible study, they can answer these questions. Now, some of the questions will be a little over their head. And and so just read ahead and, and make it simpler. Like number five. Once I've been justified, declared, declared righteous, the next step is being sanctified, being made righteous. Jesus said this happens through the embrace words of the sh- Okay, an eight-year-old, that just, psh, psh, right? It did. It just went over them. And in fact, some of the people who come to your, to your Bible say it may. So just put it in your own words, you know? So you can just say, uh, uh, Jesus said that when we're justified and sanctified, that, uh, uh, that is when we say yes to his Bible truths, we learn more of them. You can change the words. <laughs> you can change the words for that person. It's okay. By the way, I actually did this. Uh, a lady who was Cambodian came to my Bible study, and and she was saying yes all the way through. Yes, 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 yes. I thought, okay, we're tracking. This is good. Would you like to be baptized? No, she said. <laughs> and I'm like, What? <laughs> that does not even compute because she's been saying yes all along you know and so uh, I went back the second time and I took all my baptismal questions which was what I was going through at that moment and I dumbed them all down to like first grade English she's Cambodian and I, I, I took the 11 or 12, 13 statements. I made it three statements or four statements. And I put it in first grade English. And then I said, would you like to be?" That? Yes, he said. It was just she wasn't understanding. And by the way, there's other reasons people will say no. So, uh, so uh, I've been giving Carol a Bible study. And Bruce has been behind the newspaper just ignoring the study. This is a true story, but it wasn't me. This was my head elder. He'd been giving Bible studies to a couple, well, to the lady. And he said, would you like to be baptized? She said, no. And he's like, she's ready. I mean, she is so ready. And so he asked again the next time. No, she said. And so... The next time he went and got the pastor, he said, Pastor, she is ready. She she believes in the Sabbath. She believes in the state of day. She loves Jesus. You know, she should be saying, Yes, would you come? And so the pastor came. He was an Indian pastor, by the way, from India. And he says, Carol, would you like to be baptized? Yes, she said. And the guy, he almost falls off his chair. He's like, I've been asking this question. Why? Well, unbeknownst to him, she kept saying no because she wanted her husband to be baptized with her that was what was going on behind the scenes of course he didn't know that he didn't have a clue of that you know and then the fact that the pastor got a yes out of her you know like what what has he got that i ain't got it had nothing to do with the pastor it was just the timing and what had gone through this lady's mind was if i keep waiting for my husband i'm never going to get baptized and she says, next time he asks me, I'm going to say yes. So she this was predetermined before the meeting ever took place. Anyway, her husband was across the room behind this newspaper. And when she said yes, that paper came down. And he said, not without me you're not.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: because he'd been listening. <laughs> he'd been listening. So don't fret. Just Trust the process. Let God work. Because what this is doing is taking them into the presence of the Holy Spirit, and you get to listen in on the conversation. You'll know every objection that they have. You'll know right where they're at the whole way through. And you'll know if you need to talk about something a little more in depth, because you know, Carol said, I don't want to quit my job, and if I, work on this, if I keep the Sabbath, I'll have to lose my job. So you may have to work with her a little bit more on that. You know, we'll work with her, you know? Journey with her. It's not a bad thing. At the end of every Bible study, there's a choices question. The choices question on number one says, would you like to have another one? <laughs> That's the choices question. And, and then I actually get them to answer. Lloyd, would you like to have another one? Carol, would you like to have another one? Bruce, would you like to have another one? I go through and I get them to answer, okay? And, and if Lloyd says, no, I don't want to have another one, say, well, then I guess I'm not coming back. And then Carol says, wait, I want you to do this again. Well, if you want me to come back, I'll come back. You know, uh, Play hard to get. It's not a bad thing. Our choices today is for heaven to be safe for everyone who will, who will live there. Everyone will have to be saying yes to God. So I choose to say yes with my known choices starting now. So Todd, is that your choice? Yes. Lloyd, is that your choice? Yes. And so I go through. And that way I know. I know where they're at. Dean, is that your choice? No. Okay. I know where he's at. And then I pray. And my prayer would go something like this. Dear Lord, thank you for this Bible study. Thank you that Todd and Lloyd and Carol and Bruce and and Wayne have said yes. Uh, uh, Dean is still in the valley of decision. Be with him as he still grows closer to you. Amen. I just pray for him. I don't build any, you know. I'm not condemning you because you didn't say yes. I'm not beating anybody up. I'm just journeying with you. And then, when we get near the end, and Dean has watched the transformation in Carol, and then Dean says, well, if that can happen in Carol's life, I'm gonna to choose to believe, and then he makes a decision. So, you just let them grow as they grow through it. You're done in an hour. If you have a half hour of fellowship time, like you invite people over, you have some soup and sandwich before you do it, that's fine. If you just do it in one hour study, do not so so Carol really got excited tonight and she started asking 50 questions. And we stayed an extra two hours. Don't go there. Mm-hmm. Because what'll happen is Carol will say, I'd like to go back to the Bible study, but it's gonna take three hours. Mm-hmm. Even it was it was her the one that was asking all the questions. She won't come back. Don't go there. Just say, well, we're done for tonight, but next time we can have question time again. (laughs) Leave them wanting more. Always leave them wanting more. You know, and if they ask a question, so what happens when a person dies? Oh, Carol, that's a great question. That really is a great, always affirm. That really is, in fact, did you know, Carol, that is so important that Jesus actually made that one of his doctrines? You keep coming. We're going to actually discuss it. You're going to know everything Jesus taught on that. Well, thank you all for coming tonight. <laughs> Leave them wanting more. Train your elders to actually have the church break up into small groups. So, you know, if you have two churches, you, you, and you say, I want you to show this every week that I'm not here. And then you train the elders and, and some of the church members to lead out in the small groups. Break it up break into small groups and actually have them go through it. Perfect training ground for then going out and giving studies because when you get done, you say, okay, now I'm going to give every one of you a set of thunder. Who are you going to share it with? You know, you want to put your people to work. That's what the church is there for. If you bought a toaster and every time you put a slice of bread in it, you push it down, it never gave you a piece of toast. Would you keep the toaster? Yes or no? Jesus calls you to be a witness. Don't make him take you off the counter and put you in the trash heap. And by the way, you say, well, Jesus wouldn't do that. Well, Jesus' own parable. Why does this tree cumber the ground? Three years I've come looking for fruit. It never been. Cut it down. If you're going to be in heaven, God wants you to be there because you want to be there and you're part of the team, you're part of the program. It's no different than football. I'm a Green Bay Packer. Oh, yeah? Do you ever go to practice? No. Do you ever show up for the game? No. You better check. You may not be a Green Bay Packer, you know. You know, you can claim the name. You can show up and sit in church. And by, by the way, pastors and church members too, every time you can make it easy, Ellen White says it this way, make it as easy for your children to obey as possible. Make it easy. Don't make it difficult. Make it easy. So every time you can make witnessing easy, Your your advantage because at least they're witnessing. Make it easy. All right. So Jeff Potts had 57 baptisms and five re baptisms in 24 months. All of those were lay led. All of them. He just would hold a one week reaping session. So for those of you who didn't get a set of thunder, uh, all the ones I brought are gone. But if you say, you know what, I want a set of thunder of my own, and I want to get it while you're here because here it's, it's 70% off, uh, I, can, I can take that and I'll mail it to you and I won't charge you shipping. Okay? So if you want one, also for those of you who say, you know what, I'm not really into DVDs, do you have it digitally? Answer is, I have it. It's right here. Somebody wants to take this one home, they can. Uh, This one is not 70% off, it's 40% off, but you'll have the entire set and you can put it on your big screen TV, you can put it on uh, uh, your, your computers or your iPads or whatever. We have it available. If you go home to your pastor, try to get your pastor to get inserted into the series so everywhere you saw me would be your pastor. How does that happen? They come to the studio, we video them saying everything I said, we re-edit the whole thing, give them a master set of DVDs and one of these, he's free to make copies. That, by the way, is the cheapest way to go. Why? Because even after you pay the the cost, and it's thousands to be inserted, after you pay that cost, if you bought my sets, even at a hundred dollars each. You just give away 150, and then you've, you've hit the price of what it would cost to be inserted. So it's far more cost effective, especially when you do that because the conference kicks in a bunch of it. The conference pays it as evangelists. Three days of filming, and then he goes home, and in a few weeks we have it all edited. We've given the master set. And how much does it cost? 15000 And if you guys say, oh, that's a lot of money, do you know what we pay for a typical evangelistic crusade? So you pay twenty thousand dollars for a, if just you do it, or if you bring in a, 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 a rookie evangelist from Amazing Facts, that's twenty five, and and you have them for four weeks and they're gone. Well, this you pay fifteen, yeah. and you have it all this year, all next year, all the next year, all the next year. Oh, your pastor just left? No problem. Send the next pastor. Get him inserted. And the power of that is is when you're near the end of your Bible study, you're near the end, you say, would you like to meet the host of this series? Oh, can I? Yeah, he's a personal friend of mine. Really? And the next week you bring your pastor. They know your pastor. They know you. It closes the circle of evangelism. It's one of the most powerful tools that I've ever seen used. And I've watched it, you know, people. I had a, a blue blood from Kentucky. He looks like a hillbilly. He's got skaggy hair and a skaggier beard and he's the pastor anyway he comes to me, Pastor Bird he said I owe you an apology oh why is that he said well I heard you talking about your method of Bible study and quite frankly I thought you were full of yourself I said well you're not the first who thought that about me and he said well I went home and I used your method and it works Anyway, he got inserted into thunder and last I talked to him he said 37 baptisms. Uh, For that one I think his beard may have been shaved and I think he may have even gotten a haircut because we encourage people to look their best. (laughs) We try to get the best out of the pastors. (laughs) But 37 baptisms, that's impressive. So so let me just throw two more numbers at you just for the fun of it. Uh, The first number is at the Adventist Media Center when it was still in California and a ministry from upstairs came downstairs to use the studio, what did it cost the ministry? Do you know? A thousand dollars a finished minute. Twenty-five minute? A thousand dollars a finished minute. When the, when the twenty-five minute program was over, it cost that ministry twenty-five thousand dollars to use the media center downstairs. So a pastor comes and gets inserted into thunder in the Holy Land, 10 minutes per episode, it's 260 minutes, that's $260,000. That's what I should be charging. I charge 15. I'm giving it away, and I know I'm giving it away because I want to go home. I want to go home. I'm not trying to make money. I'm just trying to keep the doors open. So so that's the first number you need to know. The second number you need to know is, is... that right now the North American division is spending $42,000 per convert. We can't get there from here. We've got to empower everyone to be a soul winner. And this is just an easy way for that to happen. And I've had lay people come. I've got a gal in it from a church. Actually, three people came from their church. They said, pastors come and go. We're going to do it. And so three of their laymen came up and they all took turns and they all got inserted into it and they're using it. So anyway, thank you all uh, for coming. Thank you for allowing me the privilege of serving you. Again, if anyone says, I want to get one, you can fill this out right now. We can take care of that. If any of you say, I want to have your newsletter, you can fill this out. And for those of you who are here, please pray for us. We're working on a new series. It'll look like thunder. It'll feel like thunder, but it'll be for the languages of the world. And that is way past my pay grade. So we need the Holy Spirit helping and guiding, just like he did with thunder. So please pray for us.
0: It's time to stop for a moment and reflect on what you just heard. What was the big idea for you? How will you apply this in your own ministry And when this episode finishes in another minute or so, I encourage you to pause for five or 10 minutes and just let your mind wander. This reflection time can be really powerful. Okay, that's it for this episode. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at propelconference.org. And please mark your calendar for the next Propel Conference coming back to Vancouver, Washington, April 28 to May 1, 2024. Special thanks to Charles Bird for speaking at the Propel Conference this year, and to NAD Ministerial for sponsoring this episode. This has been the Propel Podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. The Propel Podcast is sponsored by the North Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, the event recording services were provided by Adventist Learning Community, and the podcast is produced by the crew at Sermon View Evangelism Marketing. I'm Larry Witzel, wishing you God's richest blessing in your evangelistic journey. Please join us again next time for another episode of The Propel Podcast.